Fleetwood Mac soars up the chart, BTS live stream set to make millions, and Spotify's creepy new patent. That showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode 20 of That Show Biz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin, and we are joined here today with our guest, Zach Green from CSAC. Zach, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, we just we just did a perfect uh, like intro. I, I just want everyone to know that, that it, it's so perfect. The wave sounds weird, so Colin's <laughs> going to have to go back and mess it up. Yeah, I, I have to mess it up. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've just screwed something up by being too perfect. <laughs> out of all flaw. the guests we've had, that was out of the mass amount of guests yeah. we had, yeah. just one other. It's so it's hard the being... the most perfect one. So, so hard being such a perfect person. Start not strong. That into high regard you'll just have that forever <laughs> you know uh if you want to see some more things that'll be on the internet forever you can follow us on our socials twitter at showbiz baby pod facebook and instagram that showbiz baby podcast and email us that showbiz baby podcast at gmail.com with all your questions concerns and tell me why i'm dumb uh <laughs> <laughs> i'll be sure to be in the comments like roasting you so don't worry right if you guys want to see that be sure to to hit him up yeah we brought uh our buddy zach on if you want to again know who that mysterious third voice is it's me uh zach what do you do <laughs> I work at CSAC on the creative services team and I play music as well. I'm a saxophone player. Yeah, he's a good nice. saxophone player oh, too. Thank you. It's a rarity to find. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't disagree with you. I mean, everybody always needs those like instruments that are not like, oh, you play guitar? No way. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I do wish I, I could play guitar sometimes when it's like, oh, there's there's two jobs in this town for sax <laughs> yeah, players. Right. So nice. Exactly. That's how I felt playing bass all the time. <laughs> Um, people who are not struggling at all, I'm going to go to our first topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we have to worry too much about these guys. Yeah, uh, they seem to be doing the best out of anyone in the pandemic when it comes to music right now, and that is BTS. As BTS drew nearly $1 million to their pay-per-view online concert and are probably going to make a lot of money in the process. So the two-day live stream Map of the Soul 1 event, which took place on Saturday, October 10th, and Sunday, October 11th in Seoul, attracted 993,000 viewers from 191 regions, according to Big Hit. The last live stream concert by BTS in June attracted 756,600 viewers over 107 regions and made $20 million in revenue, might I add. You know, a little chump change. Uh, so <laughs> the prices for the most recent event, which I think are nutso that they make so many customers, even though the price is so high, is it's $45.55 for a one-day ticket $81 for a weekend ticket that's offered in 4K and HD multi-view, which I'll explain that later, for non-fan club members. And you can also have bought the weekend ticket package plus an online exhibition, which I kind of looked at what that is, and it's like a 3D virtual space experience. I didn't believe it at first when I first saw 3D and virtual space of what? I don't know. I don't want to Do you buy just it. have They're, a still image of them surrounding the camera? They're thousands of years Apparently, ahead of us in Korea. It's like limited too. Once you start it, it's like a movie where you have 24 hours to like do it. It's weird. Anyway, that was $90.89. And so the exhibit alone was also $13.50. So it's it's apparently good enough for $13.50. And apparently if you're a fan club member, you could have got a discount on all these ticket packages, which I went on my own and found to be a fan club member of BTS is $30 a year. 
So sign me yeah, up. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's go. So big hit, hit entertainment, which we covered their last big movement of becoming an IPO, like a couple episodes before, hasn't released any revenue figures or how much of each ticket category were sold. But fun thing Music Business Worldwide did is they tried to kind of calculate at the bottom tier what it could be. So they went with this. If we applied the same $9 discount given to fan club members for June's live stream event to the standard one-day ticket price of $44.55 for the event, and if every one of those 993,000 viewers then paid $35.55, the virtual concert generated in excess of $35 million. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane, man. Uh, Big Hit and BTS partnered with a video production company, uh, and I think this is how you pronounce it from my research, it's Kawasi, to produce the concert who they use for the June concert as well. Uh, The company, uh, the technology company Kawasi also makes uh, technology that's used by the NBA, Gobo, Major League Soccer, PGA Tour, Next Generation Esports, Turner Sports, and other broadcast media companies, sports, and esports leagues. So they're not doing too shabby either. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the performance was over two days and had BTS do 23 performances over 150 minutes with 4k resolution ar and xr which basically ar stands for augmented reality and xr is like anything under the sun that involves like augmented reality virtual reality and real things it's kind of like a catch-all term uh and viewers could cat which i thought was cool they could choose what camera shot which is the multi-view i mentioned earlier to view and well and, and basically they could interact and create private watch rooms so if you had your buddies and you're like let's watch bts and like have a chat room about it it's all <laughs> the bros. i want to know so you can ch- you can choose which camera who chose the nosebleed camera oh. <laughs> like, like way in way the back, in the back like <laughs> the stadium the outward shot or the backstage camera for like when you're working the event and you can't actually <laughs> watch you just see them doing settlement in the back yeah (laughs) man it's so i like i don't even know man but i thought it was cool like how they could do that and then big hit claims that the event marks the world's first online streaming concert that used both multi-view and 4k hd technology which i i I haven't been able to fact check this because there's not like a repository of every online concert that started towards corona because that could be its own multi-book series by itself (laughs) uh also big hit entertainment offered delay single view stream that gave viewers across uh, basically the world access to the replay of the live stream and live. This is also nuts. They had live viewing events at theaters in Japan. Uh, and then lastly, BTS made a statement and you guys will love this. It is the most boy band statement ever. So I'm going to read it like that. <laughs> the concert crossed countless emotions. Our first March began with seven boys who gathered for a small dream, and together we will march on forever, each of us waving flags of various colors and singing different stories in different languages. BTS is not a story of only seven, but is about you, me, and everyone. Damn, bro. Which sounds like its own song lyric in itself. (laughs) That sounds like a very K-pop. It's so poetic. Yeah. It just reminds me of like my sister listening to Backstreet Boys and today I can imagine them being like, but it's about you, me, and everyone. You know, like that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I Uh, feel like, uh, you know, like boy bands have just... It, like they've always just been repackaged and come coming back, you know, every couple of years. So I feel like this isn't super surprising, especially now. We I feel like we've talked about BTS on every single episode because this might like as well the be the BTS. People who are doing well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're the only people who are just like smash. Everybody else is like, 
we're surviving our company's alive the band hasn't died and then like yeah. bts is like yeah we've made multi-million dollars and like getting across with it well again like i said before i think their videos do so much for that because they established that like online presence before shit hit the fan basically mm-hmm. and so they were able to switch people over to a live view like this and people are willing to do it. Well, the K-pop industry is such a, a profitable industry and has been for so long. Um, you know, it's it was primarily girl groups, I think, for a while. And now mm. it's kind of become all over and it's become popular in the U.S. Uh, too. So I think the funding has been there uh, from, you know, the Korean side. And, and if you go back to some of these you know, videos that the, the K-pop groups have made in the past couple of decades, the, the, you know, quality is incredible. They, yeah. they really go all out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. Do you have to deal with uh, any K-pop groups in, in your job at all? N- not really. I mean, so the way PROs in the States work and, and generally is that we have reciprocal agreements with the PROs in other countries as well. Uh, the one in Korea is called Comca, and um, so if we have any writers, um, so I guess I shouldn't say not really because I have had a couple of writers get cuts on K-pop and J-pop songs mm-hmm. um, because you know if through one connection or another they've been a writer on them. So then we'll get some revenue coming from Korea and Japan uh, sent to us through our reciprocal agreements and, and distribute it to them as international ro- revenue. Yeah, so, man, yeah, the yeah. network of PROs is amazing. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I yeah. can't like it's weird because it's just like wow. I've never seen so much cooperation in the music industry. <laughs> Ooh, like, well, uh, <laughs> it's not a lot of corruption. Rainbows. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's a that's not always true. It's not all fine dandies and rainbows, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I just I saw this, and that this is why I always pick up BTS because they're literally like the only people that are like we are like killing it still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are doing so well, mm-hmm. and I thought like what the cool part about it is, uh, and actually, me and Zach have talked about this a little bit off of. Uh, Mike is like they are really emphasizing like the pros of this being an online like kind of only event they like I think that's the kind of thing I was actually going to include maybe I'll include in a b-side which are the articles that don't make it in that we usually put on our social media is the Jonas Brothers are doing a concert on like December 3rd Mm -hmm. and they're doing a lot of the same things that BTS are doing with this multi-view 4k HD technology and I think that's like the thing about it is they're like showing out the strengths of live streaming as it not being a compromise Mm -hmm. which I think is like great on their part and like Joe said BTS is a very unique international online presence already so it just is so on brand it's Mm -hmm. not even funny yeah i mean those music videos must have taken like months to make like some of them are get the most expensive people to make them yeah Uh, they're very very i'm sure the funding like a lot of time a lot of people don't know this but for a while music videos you couldn't get funding for music videos because like there was so much people just wanted cheap content for so long and like a lot of people just didn't have the funds in order to push it, especially once like streaming took over and like artists didn't have any money anymore and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, you had to get really creative with lower budgets, but honestly, BTS, you, you look at BTS videos, they look like nineties videos mm-hmm. where they were dropping like $20 million on mm-hmm. these sets and like, you know, crazy amounts of like choreography and mm-hmm. practice and, and training. Like mm-hmm. they have to train for these videos. And CGI so and things. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's just insane how far, I, I feel like 
the industry is completely like shifting in new directions where like money is is coming all over the place but it's kind of going back towards that content side now and especially since the coronavirus even more so mm-hmm. so as we can see with how much money they made off of one concert yeah i guess I, like technically 23 concerts right but no it's two performances, two with, performances. Or, or, it's two shows but what they mean by 23 performances i think is like start stop put on a new outfit change the whole background all oh, that kind of stuff okay that's what i think they mean by 23 performances did they have pre-recorded stuff in that or was I it 23 live sure i think it was a combination hmm. um so like i think maybe there was like some you know they do live and then when they were changing they like just play something else mm-hmm. uh but i'm not sure like again like the thing with them is it's like these BTS boys are working so hard. I mean, they do all the moves, they do all the singing, mm-hmm. like, and they just hit it. Like, it's not like, you know, they you do just the choreography this. too, right? That's yeah, what I'm saying. They too. work so hard, and there's this rigorous process um, for selection of them. Um, these companies, well-funded, well-backed companies, or, or people will come and form these groups by picking and selecting. There's like this crazy audition process. I heard more about it from the the girl group side because there's so many like body standards and certain things that go into being in the Korean girl groups. And they all have to learn the choreography and they all have to be act a very specific way on their socials and they have to, it's all very, very strict. It's, it's kind of, you know, harkens back to some of that classic like East Asian mentality of mm-hmm. like very, you know, almost like kabuki and things are all, the way your head is turned is choreographed and everything is very fine tuned. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible how big of superstars they are out there. Like as much as BTS has grown up in the States, uh, them as, as well as Blackpink, who we were just talking about, and some other K-pop groups are so, so, so big. And the, the amount of profits they drive in in Asia, but also around the world, it's incredible. It's, it's quite an industry. Yeah. I mean, they're honestly, some of them have so much capital. They're almost like countries at mm-hmm. this point with mm-hmm. so much money. Yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> crazy, as yeah. we said. Um, well, speaking of, uh, I guess music spreading across the world, what else is spreading germs? <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. Did you like that? <laughs> like, um, so, uh, spreading music and germs for Jesus. So mm. this is, uh, off of an article, uh, by Rolling Stone, which their title is hilarious. Uh, it is, <laughs> it is, um, let's see, let me pull it up real, real fast here. Jesus Christ, super spreader. <laughs> <laughs> So if you didn't hear, uh, there was a huge deal here in Nashville. Um, a Christian preacher, online personality, and failed politician, apparently, uh, named Sean Fuch- uh, Fucht, uh held an illegal Let Us Worship concert on the steps of Nashville's courthouse this past Sunday with very few masks in sight and people packed together body to body. Uh, Sean called the event a protest after not obtaining the an event permit by the city of Nashville, and he claimed that 10,000 people attended the event, and video footage from social media may back that claim up, as thousands of people were shown worshiping together. Saturday, he performed beneath the indoor-outdoor pavilion for a crowd, crowd in Atlanta before coming to Nashville to, quote, gather thousands, stating on his Twitter, um, quote, the church will not be silenced, he wrote. And I love this. Rolling Stone just like went in. Rolling Stone says, quote, exactly what sort of silencing or persecution he is experiencing is unclear. Churches and houses of worship in Tennessee have been open for in-person services since May with Governor Bill Lee deeming religious services as essential rather than social gatherings. 
Government leaders recommend remote worship when possible. So Nashville is currently in phase three of its reopening plan, which means no gatherings of more than 25 people without prior approval from Metro Public Health. And approved events are only allowed to operate at 30% capacity, which is limited to 500 people per event. So mask use is required for these events. And uh, I have a little bit more information on this ba- on this guy's background because, honestly, I, didn't, I had no idea who he was. Um, but he had a huge following on social media. So, I mean, he definitely, you know, is a, is a big deal in terms of, like, I guess the Christian movement. Uh, so he's 37 years old, and he's ba- based in Redding, California. He ran for Congress as a Republican candidate in his home state, District 3, but lost in the March primary. And after he lost, according to Rolling Stone, since his loss, he has received criticism state, uh for staging concerts in cities where mass protests have been held against police brutality, including Minneapolis, Portland, Oregon, and Kenesha, Washington, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and in June, he posted a statement on Facebook saying that while he believes Black Lives Matter, he is against the BLM. He is against BLM as an organization. Uh, so Fugt also comes from a popular controversial church called Bethel, which is based in California, which also has a huge social media presence and has been deemed one of the, the new kind of like West side churches. That's like hip basically. Um, so the Metro, uh, the Nashville Metro public health department put a statement out by saying that they are investigating the incident and will quote, pursue appropriate penalties against the organizer, the organizer. So, Why did I bring this up? Because this is much more religious based than anything we ever talk about. Um, One of the things is that this is a huge impact upon uh, not only the local music industry, but the national music industry, especially if he is touring, which is basically what he's doing. So for Nashville musicians who are supported by the gig economy, this makes the chances of them going back to work even worse than before the event. The more cases, the more venue closures, and the more restrictions that will be put back into place. And a lot of industry folk are seeing this as a huge slap in the face as many people have lost their jobs over COVID, while many are also doing their best to put on events safely so that we can start up the touring industry at a quicker pace. So my question to you guys is, do you think these protest events are going to be a problem for the music industry? And do you think more and more are going to start happening? Uh, Especially, I feel like a lot of this is politically charged. Uh, the closer we get to the election, maybe more and more of these kind of, <laughs> I don't, I, wanna, I don't want to call them rallies, but like these events. Large I gatherings, I guess. Yeah. Re- rebellions, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Something so, similar so, to that. I, I, I think the funniest thing is they didn't even try to get a permit, it seems like. Mm-hmm. They did not even attempt to contact them or anything. Well, no, so. it, was a, it was a statement, obviously, against the protests that have been happening, being them saying that, no, this is a protest too, like, you know, I mean, I don't know how political I'm allowed to get on this, but it's, uh, you, can say you know, you can say whatever you want. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know that the Black Lives Matter movement was definitely frustrating to people who said, why am I not allowed to go get my hair cut if all these people can gather um, and do whatever they want? Um, and so I'm just going to start calling it a protest when I, I'm, I'm, in the salon because it's a protest. So it's clear that that was sort of the incentive here was not just to defy ordinances and to, you know, like slap in the face of all the people who are following the guidelines of experts in in the CDC. Um, But it's, it's an attempt to, to belligerently, uh, you know, go against the black lives matter protests and, and, and show that, you know, that if they're allowed to do it, Mm -hmm. we're allowed to do it. So, um, 
that's frustrating. And as, as a performing musician and a person in the industry, I agree that it is going to put some negative light on the music industry. It's going to, you know, kick back some of the progress that's been made in, in gigging and, and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, it's kind of, it, it's very frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's well, a, and a lot of us too, I mean, we, we are, we're based in Nashville, so a lot of our friends and stuff have, I've been seeing this. I've been seeing this all on social media of just people pissed, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we all have friends who've lost their jobs. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a huge slap in the face because it's not, I, it's definitely, you know, they're definitely not in the industry. It seems like, like they don't understand that there is a music industry, but they, they're just kind of in, I feel like they have worship goggles mm-hmm. on, you know, where it's like, we're doing this for God, whatever. And they're, they're going for it. But, yeah, they don't understand that it's hurting people. And furthermore, they don't understand that the reason that the protests were successful is because everyone was wearing masks, and you know they were going around. Not everyone, and I they got permits. And they got permits, and I can't say everybody. That's an overgeneralization. But from what I was reading and what I was seeing, uh, for people participating, most of the marches, everybody was wearing masks. And studies have come out since showing that there was no increase in cases that was notable. Um, mm-hmm from the protests mm-hmm. and they attributed that to the fact that people were following the mask ordinance. So the, it's not really a fair comparison there. And also one thing that's, what's interesting that I've been sort of involved or not involved, but uh, I'm originally from New York and I'm mm-hmm. from a Jewish family. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one thing that's been happening in New York recently that I've heard is that there's been some spikes in cases since the high holy days, which is the, the most important sort of part of the year for the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that happened a few weeks ago. And so they're showing now that the spikes in New York are in these Hasidic Jewish areas specifically because of the same exact thing. They're like, we're not going to not gather in a synagogue. We're, you know, God yeah. wants us to do this. We're going to do it. So uh, I bring that up only because, you know, it's, a, it, it's not only Jesus. It's not only Christian. It, it's it's a general religion thing. It seems like um, isolating doesn't happen when you need to pray yeah. as much. I just, I, you know, I look at it and first off, I, this is going to be a re- really random side note before I get serious. First off, I saw those speakers on the photos. They're just like <laughs> point source speakers. It's got to sound bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's got to sound bad. Like I just, for me mixing live, it is literally speakers on the ground. There's no line array. I, maybe there's a sub in there. But I bet they were clapping bad. on one and three too. Right. Those <laughs> so like. Literally, I was like, that was, I guess, you know, I was mad when I saw it, but I saw the picture and I was like, it probably sounds bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> like, I, I have a bunch of friends who work, you know, around Broadway and like work that live circuit, you know, work the bars and stuff. And, a, you know, a couple of friends of mine literally said, like, I can't, you know, our bar can't open. Like the reason that like we were able to be a venue, you know, and everything was, because people came and people left obviously and everybody had a good time. But like literally this one guy was like, I literally just got my job back because of, you know, the coronavirus at this place I used to work just got it. And we're not allowed to have more than, you know, 500 people in here. It's a 3000 cap venue, but these people literally it's on second Avenue, literally a block away can just do this. And it's just, that's like the perfect analogy for this. It's such a slap in the face. I mean, like, for a lot of these guys and girls out there who work in crews and musicians and stuff like that, it's like, 
And this, and like, I get it. A lot of the rhetoric that these people use is the same way where it's like, well, Black Lives Matter was able to do it. Why can't we do it? And I just, you know, at the same time, it just seems, well, like Joe pointed out, it's like, you guys can go to church if you want to in person. And I don't think every church is a thousand people. So at least that's less exposure. And I almost want to say like, why why can't this also be wearing mask at the same time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why can't it be both? But I guess it's just, you know, if we're going full protest, we're going all the way. Well, that's just it. It's, it's uh, It invalidates the argument that it was genuinely for God. Right. Um, when there are alternatives that could have been taken and masks could have been worn, clearly it was a rebellion um, against those specific things and not this is just to worship, um, which is, again, more of a slap to the face because if there was even a a viable argument that this was something that needed to be done because this religious group had to do it in a certain way based on certain traditions or whatever, then it would be a different story, Mm -hmm. albeit I probably would still not agree with it. But the whole incentive of it seems to be to completely spit in the face of all the COVID experts, all the doctors and nurses dealing with COVID, all the musicians that are out of work because of COVID and, mm-hmm. and the black lives matter movement and all these things. So it, again, it's very frustrating. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've, I would say this too. It's like, there's a reason when you see these events, it's not live nation doing this. <laughs> it's yeah. not like we at Warner have made this or whatever. They're smart. They know how terrible the PR is and they know like there's no way they could spin it, you know, and they like are smart enough to know this. I was like, these are clearly, you know, people who are like, we can do this. We can get a guy to do sound. I know enough musicians who will defy, you know, whatever ordinance are in there. Mm-hmm. And I know enough people who will defy it. And for them, it's these people who would come out and worship. And like, that's the thing that I want to say is like these people maybe you know, some of them I would consider part of the music industry, but I would consider them very outliers of the music industry. A lot of them. And yeah. it kind of goes into what we were talking about with that giant motorcycle festival a while ago in Sturgis. Yeah. Uh, we Sturgis covered a motorcycle right. festival that attracted uh, like, I believe 300,000 people in I Sturgis. That, yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing. It wasn't, like I'm saying, it's not like a live nation in AEG, the promoter. It's, oh, the guy who's been the promoter for Sturgis for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that, that's what I mean by outliers. So like on some ways, I, I am deeply saddened by this, but I'm glad as a music industry as a whole, we're all kind of like, yeah, forget those people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're not a part of this. Yeah. I'd also like to point out, I think the general Nashville community understands that this is wrong. Like, right. I, and I also like to, I, I don't know this, but I, I think a lot of those people are not from Nashville. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them drove into Nashville and they knew that they were coming and all that stuff. Um, because it's just so many people downtown, like they, they, it's just a way of life now of, of COVID. We understand that you have to, you know, stay six feet apart and like you have to wear a mask and do all this stuff and people are doing their parts to like reduce the risk because we were rising very high in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we had to basically get our shit together and uh, we finally did. But now, you know, that, that might change. We did and we didn't. Uh, I think we did, but then all the tourism kind of screwed with it. That's true. Um, and they opened the bars back up again. Yeah, but. and everything was kind of forced open sooner than it should have been just for all the same reasons everyone had like gripes about it. Um, I was actually up in New York in July when the cases started to really kind of skyrocket in Tennessee. Um, not as bad, obviously, as New York, um, but that's for many reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but then I was still seeing videos of people down on Broadway and the streets were packed with people that were clearly there in bachelorette parties and, and tourists and nobody was wearing masks and the police officers were standing there taking photos with people not wearing masks and it was mm-hmm. no enforcement. And so I, just as much as any other musician, want to rush back to getting gigs and, and, and playing on Broadway, but I'm not going anywhere near there until the count is way low. There's a vaccine or there's like very, very well-established social distancing Man, if Absolutely. I already said with Broadway, I wish there was some way I could have like a cloud of Clorox rain from the sky <laughs> on top of it. But now I really want it. Just so someone yeah. breathe it in, you mean? Or because... <laughs> no, it's just like... <laughs> oh, according man. to Donald Trump, that, that cures COVID. Man. Man. Oh, man. But I mean, just... It, oh, that's as a someone whole who's can of worms that we don't even want to get into. <laughs> we won't get that political. No, uh, no. But like, yeah, I was going to say is like... if. I, I used to work on Second Avenue, right? Literally two feet from Broadway. There's some gross crap going on, and I've seen it. So I mean, that was pre-COVID too. You both worked CMA Fest, I, I imagine. Oh yeah, I was already concerned about viral diseases before COVID because of the things I saw. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. man. Uh, speaking of a thing I saw, I saw that Spotify has a patent, and it's kind of creepy. And we'll see what whether that's in the worlds of uh, music business worldwide. And I'll elaborate on it. So in the podcast, we previously previously discussed music business worldwide basically revealing a patent of spotify which is about the karaoke app part of it which was interesting and everything and if you want to you know circle back and find that we've covered it but basically spotify has been going really hard with the patents and has been getting a lot approved by the patent office so the one i'm going to be talking about was approved on october the 6th and was originally filed in 2018 again proving my thing about how patents are really really hard to get so Mm -hmm. again it's not easy so the name of the patent is methods and systems for personalized user experience based on user personality traits and was leaked to music business worldwide and you can read the full patent that's actually linked in the article again all the articles are below in the description if you guys ever want to read more so the patent states quote there is a need for systems and methods for personalizing media content in accordance with one or more personality traits associated with the user quote behavioral uh, variables such as users mood their favorite genre of music or their demographic can all quote correspond to different personality traits of a user reads the patent uh thus it is possible to identify a personal trait of a user based on the contents of or context such as the music and the user consumes listens to and the context in which they consume the content before assigning a personality trait to the user and this is where it gets creepy a personality model must be built the model would be Quote, based on a questionnaire, such as the Big Five in- Inventory, BFI 44, or the Myers-Briggs Personality Survey, <laughs> Spotify suggests that with this information, it could suggest targeted ads, music, and or podcasts to the users. Quote, in some embodiments in which the personalized content includes one or more messages with audio components, explains the patent, the electronic device changes a tone of voice for messages <laughs> for presentation to the user. Here's the creepy. It continues... For example, the voice of, of the tone of voice may be more upbeat, high pitched, and or exciting for users that have been assigned the personality trait of extroversion. <laughs> the tone of the voice may be quiet or soft tone for users that have avoid that have been assigned the personality trait of introversion. The modulation of the tone helps to humanize the user interface for media providing service in accordance with the user's personality personality, thereby 
improving the user's experience. Uh, even some of the inventors of the patent from Spotify even wrote a scientific article on music and personality traits. And they basically stated in that article, findings from machine learning show that the big five personality traits are predicted by musical preferences and habitual listening pe- behaviors with moderate to high accuracy. And those same inventors and authors of the article also wrote, quote, such future research and applications must be conducted with the strict boundaries of ethical data usage collection and storage policies. So yeah, Spotify is going to want to... I'm waiting for Spotify to know my horoscope. That's what <laughs> I really want. Um, um, Spotify knows you're a Libra. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to maybe take a very contrary stance, but this is so exciting. To, I love everything about Isn't this. Isn't that so fun? I, I think love it's fun. This. And I think, it, like, look, I'm here already, and we're, we're in 2020. If you're on social yeah. media and stuff, your data's already mined. It's gone. It's, it's been long gone. It's been long gone. Yeah. Unless you made the stance that you were not getting on social media, <laughs> nobody took your picture, anything. Yeah. You're you're cool. And you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, that you're person. not. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you're probably still connected somewhere you don't realize. Um, right. There's lo- If you've bought something ever, then your information is out. Unless you go unless to like, you use cash. Unless yeah. you go to like Uncle Pa's store for everything. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just like whatever. But Uncle, like, Uncle Pa? I'm just Uncle talking pa. about, I'm just talking about like a general store. When your uncle's your pa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe, what do you think about this? Um, I mean, it doesn't, surprise me i mean i it spotify has been trying their best to really hone in on uh their user base for so long i mean it's the reason they're uh, they've i've i have argued a long time spotify is a social media company because they make sharing music so easy they make the peer-to-peer part so easy which is what a lot of music buying didn't have um at the time so like if you went to like a brick and mortar like you, you're you can't just like give you can't just like give the CD files away, right? That was illegal. <laughs> like, but because like you know streaming happened, uh, uh, the the illegal downloads mm-hmm. wave happened. People wanted that peer to peer experience, and this I feel like this just emphasizes that even more. Um, and if anybody's scared, like oh they're gonna have a file on me, like you said before, every social media company has a file on you. Oh yeah, every single ad agency has a file on yeah. you. You know, I uh, when I went up to New York, uh, it's talking about TikTok because obviously it's very topical and mm-hmm. it's uh, widely recognized amongst music industry now as a as a source for you know talent um, a lot of people go to tiktok first and and i like i like being on tiktok i i used to like vine and i think it's a great comedy and like a style and and a great way to see new things and my dad it, the news had just come out that you know the us was going to ban tiktok and that china was mining our data mm-hmm. and my dad said i can't believe you're on there you're letting your data get stolen and i was like have you used google before yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's uh, the, the same, same thing is happening right <laughs> and, there you know we were talking too like if people think their you know their their social security number or like their stuff which i will tell you is out there like mm-hmm. there is a file somewhere with all that information that is most likely a public link somewhere but most people can't find that because there's trillions mm-hmm. of other files to go through absolutely like you have to have massive supercomputers I, to target i always anything. said the thing with it is that the media companies having this information, the difference between it being nefarious and just part of their business is that the people who have access to it and the people and the intent of the data that and how it's used. So like it's way more, you know, scary if you're with somebody and like 
you know, if they're an active credit, you know, violator, they love to use social security numbers or whatever, and they get into a credit bureau and know your social security number. That's way worse. But if like somebody, you know, there's a reason that there's a trillion dollar security internet industry. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and the people who have your data are not like somebody, you know, they're not like your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend who are trying to destroy your lives. Their job is to keep it secure and make sure you don't you know, go into financial ruin or they don't have customers. And the same thing's kind of here because, you know, everybody's like, I and I got really annoyed when that Netflix movie came out where it was like, did you guys know that like Facebook has all your data <laughs> and like apps save things? Yeah, we and I'm like for girl, like 15 like, years. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, guys, like, you know, like, yeah, the, when Amazon knows what you want to buy next, it's not random. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was hilarious. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know, but I had so many friends that were quote unquote enlightened and were like, I'm getting off social media right now. Um, and Too I'm late. like, you really just learned this? Like, you didn't <laughs> notice the echo chamber thing? Like, that everything you see on your feed is something that you agree with, maybe more or less? Uh, that's yeah. not a coincidence. Yeah. Well, it's, I think too, uh, for me, um, I, okay, let's talk about the echo chamber because mm-hmm. this could be a problem mm-hmm. with, with that because it's been a problem with my personal Spotify account. You know, I listened to one indie band and now they're like, oh, you like chorus pedals on every song now. <laughs> you know, like it's it's how, but I also want to like listen to other genres, but it's like oh, Spotify yeah. always loops you back and they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not where you're supposed to be. Like, <laughs> I like to joke that the algorithms are very frustrated with me at all times because I'm very ADD and I have a lot of very opposing interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so like on TikTok, I'm like, I'll like a, a music related video. I'll like an animal video and then a comedy video and then I'll like a food video. And it's like, I just picture the, the people on the other end of the other one is like sweating. Like, what is he like? What do we give him? <laughs> and the same with music too. Like I listen to so many different things. I just, my, my thing with it. And I think this is where I, and this is my, pre- like, it's like saying a statement out loud and being like, this is an innovation, but like the statement is not the innovation. It's how it's put in. Mm-hmm. I think that, Spotify and a lot of these internet companies, the wave of the future for these algorithms is having personal choice in how the algorithm works. And I think this is kind of an example of like the beginning of that. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like this is like a really minor example. I think I should just be able to ban an artist from my like, you know, discover weekly. I go, there's no hope in hell. I do not want this Mm -hmm. never again get rid of it. Like I want to be able to have that kind of like thing with the algorithm. Now I know that's scary because obviously they're like the way we make money is that the advertisers know that we can just give you what they want you to see all the time. But I feel like at the same time, the innovation is going to be in that ability to interact with the algorithm as opposed, because I feel like the more and more we get to it, it's starting to feel like TV again Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, you're just going to be forced to watch this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to be forced to watch this ad. You're just going to have to do it because the advertiser paid for us. And like this, you know, social media and Spotify, which I would count as social media, like Joe said, have been playing this delicate wire game of how much can we give to you on purpose that maybe like works for you and doesn't seem bothersome, but how much can we force down your throat to make the most profit? Well, like, and too, uh, we're going to get into this in the next article, but I mean, Playola is, is still, still a, a problem, mm-hmm. as, especially in Spotify and with streaming services, it's, de- it's deregulated. There's no mm-hmm. regulation. So it's, it's up to the, the medium to, to police that. And a lot of the times they, 
mean, it, it's questionable whether they do police it. Well, you know? pale is technically illegal, but there are so many ways that people still essentially do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's whether that's labels sending really nice incentives that have nothing to do with necessarily <laughs> promoting their artists, but it'd be really nice if you did. Yeah. Um, and radio stations, things like that. So um, that definitely still exists to a degree um, and is part of their, their thing. But, you know, the reason that this excites me so much and why I find this really, really amazing is, you know, psychology is so fascinating and I feel like people rebel against things that are unusual or seem invasive until they they experience the convenience of it or the comfort that comes with it yeah. and I think that if this had never been announced and if they had just rolled this out and people suddenly started having, you know, oh, I don't know why, but this voice I'm hearing is so much more soothing and it's because it was targeted to them to be a voice that, could you imagine if like, they they use the example of like introverts, extroverts, but could you imagine if it could tell your mood and just changed your voice because you were sad that day? And so it was a more sympathetic voice or it could change its voice to be really hyped because it could tell you're like in a party mood or something that you're playing a party playlist. So Mm -hmm. that would be so cool. And it's just, it's, it opens up this whole gate of possibilities um, and discovery and things like that. So I think that it way trumps the, you know, argument of, well, now my data is out there. It's creepy that like artificial learning and things like that. When you boil it down to, it's just so much more comforting and convenient. So yeah. I, and they've been kind of doing it to a lesser extent. Like, you know, how, how when you go to social media, how many times is it like, it's Friday night, you know, this is the party playlist, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. like that. They've just been doing it to a lesser extent. And like those playlists that are automated aren't just like, oh, Spotify made their own party playlist. No, they're based off like what you like and stuff like that. What you said was cool and like what you actually listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to talk about music discovery because I think it's, it's really important, especially with streaming. And I mean, uh, we'll get into TikTok and music discovery later. But um, do you think that that comfort is uh can be harmful to some artists if they you know these people never even see these artists right and they just get funneled through and then i've heard a lot of the times too a lot you know streaming makes a lot of money but a lot of the money goes to like the top players Mm -hmm. and then everything else kind of trickles down yeah (laughs) (laughs) um absolutely and spotify's on on you know blast all the time for their like atrocious license rates that they pay uh to especially to the pros on the mechanical side i'm less experienced in that but i I understand that there's slightly better payments there but to the writers of the songs there's it's it's negligible uh it's it's so i i usually tell people when i'm meeting with affiliates um i usually tell people not to consider um spotify or streaming platforms to be a revenue source it's it's you know radio live shows uh tv film cue sheets things like that that's revenue uh spotify unless you are like you were saying one of the top like bonus structure level artists where they start throwing extra money at you it's really it's so negligible uh even if you have a very very good stream count you're still not seeing anything like worth calling home about Mm -hmm. so it's still valuable. It's mm-hmm. great, you know, PR. It's great for getting your music out and heard by new fans who would then go to your live shows and things like that. But um, Spotify, you know, they just don't, they don't invest enough, uh, at least in my opinion, in most industry people's opinion, they don't invest enough in the actual creators of the music. Um, so hopefully that changes. I know the MMA is, is starting to spark some of that, mm-hmm. um, that change for the better um, down the road. Yeah, I mean, that, that hits it on the nail. I mean, I've always 
I've always been told that Spotify is like your marketing tool, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. as opposed to, and I, I think it's really hard, especially if you grew up in any part that had the idea of CDs, you know, to like imagine that. And especially like when you're a songwriter, cause you feel like, Oh, this is why people come to me. This is why people like me. Then why aren't I getting paid for it? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, the revenue source is different. You get paid for going out on the show or, you know, going to the radio state, you know, like those are the actual things you get paid for. And it, it's a really like, it, it's a big glass ceiling that you just kind of have to bite, like literally like mm. when you first start out. And so, yeah, and I know you have a lot of experience of telling artists, you're like, well, it turns out you're not a millionaire today. <laughs> <laughs> but I had 6,000 streams on Spotify. Why didn't I get any money this quarter? Um, oh, man. Speaking of money, which you'll love, we're actually going to go into a thing about payola. Uh, so Rolling Stone has obtained 2,500 messages from Steve Zapp, who is an independent radio promoter who has long been in the industry and works with a number of adult contemporary radio stations. The messages span from 2018 to July of this year and, quote, refer to conversations with major label executives about promotional giveaways and payments to a radio station in connection with Airplay. Zapp's career, quote, started started his career in 18, or 1896. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> 1986. He's 107. Really uh, old. Yeah. No, he started in 1986 for Virgin Records America before becoming a vice president in promotions for then Warner Brothers Records and MCA Records. In 2004, he started started a management and promotion company uh, called Z Entertainment, which spawned a record label of the same name in 2011 and his label Art Beats in 2015. Uh, known for his power in the hot AC format, think non-threatening pop. I love that, Rolling Stone. <laughs> Zap has also worked with Aaron Carter and pop singer Dea, known for a 2015 hit Hideaway. Now, I'm going to list some examples of the text. This is what Rolling Stone reported. They're not all in there. And we'll get to what Zap said to them, uh, actually to Rolling Stone in a minute. But here's some, and I'll throw in some at the end after we get through Zap's part. So in a March 2019 text from Zap to a radio station employee, he wrote, quote, Tell me when you move up stuff. I could have billed on Khaled and BSB moving up, end quote. That month, uh, Khaled had a pair of singles on the hot AC chart while the Backstreet Boys' No Place was hovering outside the top 20. Important to note, the texts show no evidence that any artists who rarely run their own radio campaigns anyway were communicating with Zapp or involved in any negotiations with the radio station, so that's important to note. In April 2019, Gasoline, a somber ballad from the English brother-sister trio, uh, The Rua, was moving towards the top 30 on the hot AC chart. Quote, please put Rua into the 50-spin rotation. Zapp texted, quote, just for for six weeks i can use the billing mostly nights and overnights of course this is how i will get the bills paid until we make money here is zap sent <laughs> next is zap sending us a uh, text directly to another radio employee he goes quote please don't let interscope dictate anything to you end quote he wrote they don't pay me shit <laughs> uh Quote, similarly, uh, basically, Billy Joe's Armstrong's cover of I Think We're Alone Now was climbing the radio chart in May. Zap intervened at the radio station because playing the song was, quote, not paying bills. And the promoter's text included the instruction, Billy Joe needs to go down, which sounds so dark. <laughs> um, so Zap has denied the accusations so of Paola telling Rolling down. Stone directly the texts were sent by an employee who, quote, motiv- who was motivated by their recent job loss. And 
quote, worked hard to help. He basically worked hard to help young musicians become better known in the music industry. As part of the work, Zap says, quote, I try to sell radio station program directors on the merits of my client's music and to make friends with program directors of various stations, always within legal bounds. He also added, you say I requested airplay and awarded a station with consideration and that such linkage is linkage is established by text message. Uh, quote, the actual text, though, do not support your characteristics in the text. No specific character or considerations yeah. uh, is linked with any specific instance of airplay. Therefore, allegations that I purchase airplay through quid pro quo agreements would be reckless and extremely damaging. And then just to finish it off, I am well aware of the applicable rules. He tells Rolling Stone, and I have observed them carefully in my work as an indie promoter. I do not dispute that I asked the station to play certain records on various occasions in addition, I supplied the station with certain promotional support from time to time. However, this would only cross the line if a particular level of support were conditioned on specific instances of airplay beyond which the station would otherwise schedule because of specific benefits supplied to the station or to a program director personally. Uh, then all the big three basically made statements about the safeguards they have in place to prevent payola. I'm not going to read that because a lot of them are just repetitive and basically say like, we do a good job and Um, boring. Yeah. And I'm sure they do, but you know, like it's pretty boring. It's very like safe. If that makes sense. Uh, Rolling Stone also mentions and puts down as Zach was saying that independent radio promoters are quite common and most of the time act as a lobbyist or consultant to radio stations for label catalogs. But after a huge investigation in 2004 from the New York attorney general's office into payola accusations, uh, the office scrutinized independent promoters and scolded labels and radio stations for enlisting some indies as middlemen to act as conduits for deliverers of delivery of the label promotional support to radio stations and help perpetuate the fiction that this support is not actually being delivered by the labels in exchange for airplay. Close to what Zach said. Now I'm going to leave you with some of the other ones that are pretty funny to me. He goes, uh, Zap was saying in a text, can we do Flora Cash and Khaled, referring to the pop duo and R&B singer respectively, quote, promise them 35 spins each, we'll cover that cash giveaway. Uh, Michael Fertini to 35 spins, another one of Zap's texts says, quote, getting free show. Uh, quote, as the charts tracking week neared its end, the station had told Zap that Mendes' single was set to play every half, half hour, but then Zap fired off, and Joe, you're going to die this, off another text. It is close and we haven't even jumped ed yet after 8 p.m can we do every 15 minutes no one will even notice no one <laughs> listens to radio unless in car <laughs> uh that week as rolling stone mentions mendez leapfrog ed sheeran on the media base chart and hit number one <laughs> i mean he's not wrong but <laughs> absolutely and the irony to me is that he markets himself as an indie promoter when the he's, people that suffer the most as a result of this are the indie artists yeah i mean these are huge names yeah i mean like that he's he's pushing like uh michael franti i mean he's huge yeah i mean he what he said earlier he flora was like, cash and khalid he's just trying huge. to help musicians guys i mean ed sheeran yeah. <laughs> i've heard him uh i know like yeah you know what ed sheeran needs some help you yeah know, like he's been struggling i've heard <laughs> first off when i read this after, i went after that game of thrones gig it just went downhill oof, yeah <laughs> first off when i read this i went adult contemporary payola 
no way. Like, no way these don't condense. <laughs> Why? Right. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, I guess instead of, you know, if Zap again is accused of payola, I can't say anything. This is just what the text said about Rolling Stone. Just have to throw that in there. But based off what Rolling Stone said, uh, reading this, I was just like, I guess instead of, you know, in the 60s, all pop music, payola going. And now they just like moved up a tier in age range. They were like, now we're an adult contemporary payola. It's the same demographic, just older now. Right. That cutthroat <laughs> genre of adult contemporary. I mean, there's people that basically have lived through multiple periods of payola and apparently it's just following them with age you know like so yeah i mean i thought it was funny you mentioned that earlier zach because like uh (laughs) literally that's what rolling stone is saying about in the attorney general office is that uh apparently you know there's been accusations a lot of payola and like you're saying a lot of these labels and stuff like that again it can't prove anything but give special gifts mm-hmm. to people when some things happen mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah and they use these indie middlemen you know representing very small people as ed sheeran and Cullen, uh like literally just to do this pretty mm-hmm. much now i don't know what's going to happen to him i don't know if he's going to get investigated or whatever uh he he basically in a statement said what he needed to say, mm-hmm. which was that like, I didn't give this for any specific goes because of specific benefits. So he probably will be fine. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, worrying if maybe, you know, the FCC or somebody else wants to come over there and say, Hey, what's up? You know, I'm sure he's taken plenty of measures as most of the people. Um, and I should also state now that uh, nothing I say has anything to do with CSAC and I'm not representing CSAC right now. Um, but he is among many people that do things like this. Um, and they do it in ways like he was kind of um, saying in his interview. They do it in ways that are, strictly speaking, legal, um, mm-hmm. according to the ordinances. And they're, they're smart and they have very smart lawyers. Um, so it's hard to come down on them for doing it, whether it's ethical or not is another question. Right. So I, you know, I don't know again, like these are just what it says in the text messages that Rolling Stone shows. So he says like the full text messages don't show this, which I mean, we don't have them. So I guess, you know, to his benefit, that could be a good thing. But like, I mean, even I, I just looked up this guy's name and like the article doesn't even come up. So like, clearly it's not like going up you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's not i don't think he's gonna get ruined by this from what i'm seeing well, maybe it'll put more eyes on the adult contemporary apparently genre. <laughs> you just like uh, apparently some shit's going down in adult contemporary <laughs> which i never thought it's was always a- the quiet kids that's, yeah. that's the music underground i know but it's just you know it, it, we'll see what happens to uh our friend zap here and uh I hope that he didn't do any payola. I don't hope on anybody, but like the way this is reported makes it sound very strange. Um, but you know, he, he, like you're saying, he's riding the line for sure. He's said everything he needs to say to possibly just walk out of this. Yeah. You know, well, and, and strictly speaking, like I said, he's not doing payola as payola is sort of notated. Um, and, and, you know, antitrust or whatever kind of, positions that they put in to prevent things like that from happening but this stuff happens and and whether it's certain incentives that like you know swag quote unquote that's actually just like really nice headphones or really nice things that are 
considered gifts, but you know, there's that underlying pretense that oh, but my artists are going to get played now, right? And it's it's sort of an unwritten down, unspoken thing. So it boils down to basically payola, but it's still not according yeah. to the ordinances. I'd like to point out um, when I was in college, I was the music director for my radio station, and uh, the promoters didn't give me shit. So <laughs> like, good for them. Maybe yeah. you should have been an adult there. contemporary. Yeah, yeah apparently I should have been an adult contemporary. Yeah, at that point. I mean, and again, like the thing I was going to say is everything I read out loud, I could like even in my head, I could argue how it's not. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I could say like. He says, this is how I will get bills paid until we make money. He could just be like, yeah, bills paid because, you know, I'm doing so well at my job that mm-hmm. the people keep paying me as a consultant. You know, mm-hmm. like that's literally everything is arguable. Yeah. And here's another hot take. Um, radio is going to be dead in the decade, um, I think. And a lot of people think. So it's interesting now, especially when you've got these executives that are from the 60s or, you know, old, old times where they're used to getting their way a certain uh, sort of payola style like this. And like we were saying earlier, there's ways to do that with streaming as well. Um, but I think it, with the downfall of radio, you're going to start seeing an uprise of more of the independent success and the artists who are going to be able to make their own success without the need. Like everybody always says, you, in order to make it in the in the business, you need money. Um, mm. And I think that's becoming less and less with home studios that can be afforded very, very cheaply and almost equal quality if you've got the right, you know, engineer. Um, I see that all around Nashville. I record, because like I said, as a sax player, I've recorded in all sorts of home studios that you could never tell was not a studio. So that might be a small beacon of hope um, in, in that the payola kind of mindset is not even going to be really viable anymore after a certain amount of time. It'll be interesting, like we were talking about before, if maybe they try to transition into streaming. Some of these people that have you know this radio background and are kind of used to maybe you know, providing quote unquote promotional support in this kind of way and try to do that. And maybe we'll get more eyes on, you know, streaming and, you know, maybe some even government action into like what the rules of streaming would be in terms of like payola or like some sort of payout. Cause yeah. right now, you know, I mean, if you, there's a lot of tastemakers out there that you could just pay, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you'd be like, you got a big playlist. Yeah. How yeah. About, here's, here's a couple of dollars, you know what I mean? Like, and that's all it is. And then like the funny part is if you go to radio, that would get you so in trouble so fast mm-hmm. that like there's no way around it. So mm-hmm. I hope that maybe when, like you're saying, if, and I believe radio will die within the decade is that when that happens, maybe we'll get some more oversight into, you know, the payroll on the streaming side as well. Well, I think in the streaming equivalent, like you're saying is playlisting. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that you can use bribery to get, yourself or your artist on playlists uh, or use money um, because the more money you have, the more people you know. Um, so, and that just leads you to the right into the, the John Marks types that are going to put you on playlists that are going to be more lucrative for right. you. And nothing though beats the organic marketing, especially this next story that Joe's got, because that those are the best marketing stories Love ever. Story. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So how TikTok legend at 420 dogface 208 Fleetwood Max dreams back on the billboard charts. Woo. So this is a joint, not a joint article, but articles from NPR and Rolling Stone. And uh, this first section is taken from NPR. Uh, TikTok user at 420 dogface 208, uh, who is also known as Nathan Opodaka from Idaho was on his way to work when his truck broke down on a highway in Idaho Falls. 
just two miles away from the potato warehouse where he worked for nearly two decades. Instead of waiting potentially hours for someone to pull over with jumper cables, Opadaka grabbed his longboard and a jug of ocean spray cranberry juice from the back of his truck and proceeded to skate to where he worked. On his way there, he opened his TikTok account, found the song that fit the vibe of his situation, and began and began recording a video that would go on to receive over 35 million views, 134,000 tribute videos, and totaling a collective half billion views. Some of the tribute videos include one by Mick Fleetwood, the legendary drummer of the band, who would go on to support the video and even meet Opadaka during an interview on CNN. Since then, uh, since the video has been posted, Dreams, the song which he selected, has shot up on the Billboard charts, once again generating an impressive amount of numbers. So, this is according to Rolling Stone. I'm going to take a deep breath here because there's a lot. (laughs) So... Quote, in the three days before the video was uploaded, the 1977 Rumors Classic was receiving an average of 490,000 streams a day, according to numbers from Alpha Data. In the three days after the TikTok video was posted, the song had been streamed an average of over 1 million times a day. Sales for the song nearly tripled up 184% from Saturday through Monday. Spotify reports that streams were up 127,000, 127% on its platform (laughs) with a 242% increase in the first time listeners for first time listeners of the song. Apple reported a spike of 221% in streams and also reported a 1,137% increase in Shazam's for the song, indicating that the song was finding new listeners. During the weekend, 15% of all Spotify streams of the Stevie Nicks song were first-time plays on the platform, which is a 53% higher average of first-time streams than normal. So... How dependent is the music industry towards TikTok? I would say very, very dependent right now (laughs) because, okay, let's talk about Fleetwood Mac. They are considered legendary status act. I mean, they're, they have evergreens is what they call them. They were getting 449,000 views. Yeah, it was already huge. That's still huge. Huge, huge huge numbers already. Legends. It's crazy to think that this song hasn't been on the charts since like, the 70s, mm-hmm. probably. I mean, maybe it had a, a little bit of a uptick, but this thing reached, like, I think right now it's at 21. Yep, it's at 21 on mm-hmm. the Billboard chart right now, which is going up from since this was posted today. It's been going up. So that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows just how volatile TikTok is. I think it's a lot like Vine um, in a lot of the ways that you said, like just how it works and stuff like that. But I also think that uh people on tiktok are willing to go out and click other links and like support people and, and stuff like that because it's new it's fresh it's mm-hmm. exciting and to be honest uh in my experience not everybody has this experience but for my for you page basically it's been pretty positive in terms of like what pockets you can get into yep. on tiktok mm-hmm. which i think makes people generally in a better mood and more willing to connect with you mm-hmm. Um, so are there any shortcomings to how people are consuming music and how labels are flooding this medium for their artists? Because a lot of labels, which we, me and Colin joke, this is our running gag is, uh, you know, you go, you're, you're an artist and you go in for a label meeting and they're like, you know, we need you to just, just make a viral video. 
super easy. Just go and make one. Just be popular. Yeah, just be popular. Go make a viral video. It'll be fine. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you what do you guys think? Because I think a lot of labels are are like trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. Honestly, on this, I'll let you go first. Zach, I have so many take. things to say. Oh my god. Uh, I love TikTok. First of all, uh, and I a hundred percent can confirm that the music industry is going very much to TikTok before anything else right now. I've had managers tell me they exclusively look for talent on TikTok. I've had, you know, people I work with and people that work in similar positions to me doing different analytics to see, you know, how TikTok is an influence on Spotify numbers and things like that. Uh, a lot of times people put their Spotify's into their TikTok bios and TikTok was also kind of established to be a very music first social media platform, which has become you know, very fruitful for a lot of musicians. Yeah. Um, Priscilla Block, who is actually a friend, mm-hmm. she was uh, a great example of somebody who in 12 hours went number one uh, by dropping a song on TikTok. Um, and it's fascinating and it's so cool. Um, and I think there's so, so much positive uh, that comes out of that. And such a, and one thing I love about this story specifically is just like it's a perfect example of your everyday, like, civilian becoming a hero mm-hmm. um and it just inspires so many people to go on there and be creative and like show off their talents or lack thereof and it is it's fun and and anyone can go viral and everybody that's been on tiktok long enough has had a video go viral uh, yeah uh, to some degree so i think that's super empowering to people and and those of us that you know, are in have been in entertainment for a while. Maybe it's a little bit more nominal, but to people that are used to being a potato worker, um, getting a whole bunch of fame just for drinking a cranberry juice on his longboard, being himself, I love that. Um, the downside, the most obvious downside, is that TikTok's not licensed by yes. by PROs and 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 so and by anyone really. So the actual performances of this music is not being paid for. Um, which is in negotiations, I'm sure. Um, again, I can't speak to that. I'm not speaking on behalf of CSAC. Um, and so that will hopefully be changed. But like I said, it is just similarly to Spotify, it is a marketing move. It's a mm-hmm. PR move. for. And yeah. I tell... As we can see, it works. It works. You know? And I tell my affiliates and, and friends who are artists, if you're not on TikTok, I don't care how much you hate it. I don't care how much you hate Instagram and, and social media and all of the other stuff you have to be on TikTok. You got to try. You have to try. Yeah. Otherwise you're missing a huge boat. Um, And it translates, it directly translates uh, to Spotify accounts um, um, because people like, like you're exactly what you're reading in these quotes. People are shazamming. People are looking up the artist and listening to more of their music on Spotify because they like what they hear. And there's, um, there's, challenges and trends so now everyone's doing the like holding a cranberry juice and skating challenge kind of thing which only prolificated the song use um so yeah i mean very few shortcomings to me other than possibly china is gonna have my social security number and that the songwriters aren't actually getting paid directly from tiktok um but yeah that's my yeah i mean i i think you hit it around the nail i just one i'm sorry i was just laughing at the shazam for the song because i just imagine a bunch of people being like the hell is this song? Who still has Shazam? Who's by the Fleetwood way? Mac? Are they new? <laughs> is that Fleetwood or is that Mac? You know, <laughs> you know. And so, like, the thing with it is just like, I, I TikTok is so interesting because I think the only thing that's been close to the way TikTok has been for the music industry was YouTube in the original yeah, times when absolutely. YouTube, when like, and I'm talking about like back in the day when it was like 
Usher found Justin Bieber on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like that's when the last time I remember YouTube being like that expansive in the mm-hmm. music industry, all just dive bombing on it. Now everybody's got their, you know, claws in it. You got to go watch on the Vivo channel. Yay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's it. And so like we we're done there. This I is think, like, I think there's a bit of a resurgence in YouTube recently. And, uh, I agree. but the only thing is that the, the youths I should say, and, and I'm turning 29 on Saturday. So I'm like in that middle millennial range, but, uh, like, the youths don't have the attention span for YouTube anymore. And I'm right. guilty of that as well. It's cause and, and it's just the form change of content. I think it's the same thing with, uh, YouTube videos when they first came out and people are like, why don't I watch a show? I can just watch this like five minute video. You know what I mean? But now it's like, why don't I watch a five minute video? I can just watch, you know, like 30 seconds. Well, so I like, think the, the retention rate, I mean, is so, so much better on TikTok too, because I'm you, instead of having to watch this 10 minute, you know, video on YouTube or whatever. You're on TikTok, and if you don't like a video, you just swipe up. It's gone. Now you and, have a video you like. Yeah, and it's that. And simple, they learned know? from the sins of Vine, and they knew how to monetize mm-hmm. it. Yep, which was the thing. So, like, I think, I, yeah, TikTok is such an important thing. Uh, you know, a future guest of ours actually is huge on TikTok and stuff. Has a bunch of stuff, and we had a conversation with him the other day, and he's an artist, mm-hmm. and he was telling us all about like. Yeah, all the guys I know, it's all about TikTok. And the AR guys, you know, come up to me and go, hey, I saw your song on TikTok blowing up. Do you want to sell this song over, you know, to our label or something like that for more promo? It's literally a place. And I know it just sounds so weird to say out loud, but literally you could be on TikTok. You know, somebody makes a casual video just like this guy and literally makes hundreds of thousands of dollars for a band. Well, I think, too, TikTok just humanizes people. Like it, it takes away the gla- the glamour a lot of the time. I mean, there's still some of that on every social media, but like I think the ones that are truly successful are the ones who are like the most themselves mm-hmm. on the platform. And I think you know if that that support stays. Yeah, it's it's in that part of you know social media where it's still exciting and new, and your mom isn't on it yet. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, and it's so transparent when you're just trying to force it on TikTok, or you're trying to do a challenge just to do a challenge. But I agree, I love the you know that people are being themselves, and you see like these super macho guys doing dance challenges. Like yeah. you'd never have seen that before. You see like you know a lot of the LGBT culture comes together, and and like they share their mm-hmm. you know views, and and so it's 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 really amazing to see, you know, in a world that's become so divisive, in a world that's yeah. become so <laughs> divisive, um, how TikTok kind of makes you realize that we're all the same. I think it's, you know, and the thing with this guy, it reminds me a lot of uh, Phil Collins' song coming up the chart with mm-hmm. those two guys who listened to it for the first time, which, uh, Joe, I think you know about that, where it's the two guys who never listened to Phil Collins before. It's in the air tonight and they're listening to it and it blows up. But unlike YouTube, like TikTok because of you know the industry kind of going okay you don't have an agreement but we're not going to come after you yet you know we're going to figure this out we're going to get it all together unlike youtube where you know you get taken down if like the label does not like what it is you know what i mean because yeah. they have those dmcas mm-hmm. in place like tiktok breeds that kind of content that's natural and allowed to you know breathe because the label's you know, are kind of at the standstill right now and the PROs are at the standstill right now where they're going, we're not going to mess this up yet. It's doing very well for us and our mm-hmm. artists. So we're we're going to give you a break. And we've talked about it on the podcast when, you know, we talked about TikTok trying to negotiate a deal with PROs and labels is that like they are kind of right now pulling, pulling their weight and saying, give us something. Mm-hmm. Give us something nice. 
mm-hmm. because we're doing so much for your industry right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think it's amazing, unlike YouTube, how much TikTok is able to have these kind of challenges and not instantly get DMCA takedown mm-hmm. because that's the that's the problem with YouTube and the discovery of it is that, you know, you these YouTubers want to use these songs and stuff when I follow a bunch of music YouTubers and mm-hmm. you cannot put two seconds of a song nope. in there. They It will be gone. If you put like... You'll get I, demonetized. Right. Yep. Or just taken down by the label. Yeah. And a lot of the older, you know, catalogs of artists like just tell the label, yeah, if it's on a YouTube video, just take it down no matter what. Take yep. the context down. Mm-hmm. Take it out. If you play like one note, you know, of some song, you know, first downbeat or whatever, it get taken down. But mm-hmm. TikTok, because of its like you know, fragile bridge that it's on right now where it's being lifted up by the music industry and not taken down mm-hmm. is allowed to have this content. And mm-hmm. I think it speaks volumes. And I hope, you know, in these agreements that maybe come up with TikTok with PROs and labels that we don't shut this all down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and on top of that, I feel like from what I've heard, uh, TikTok's, like you said, being very cooperative and and saying, okay, make us an offer. Like we want to pay the musicians. Mm. And they the similarly with the U.S. government came out and said, you know, we want to work with you. We don't want to lose that market. Like, how can we work together? And as much of a resistance as they got, they found a way to to stay relevant. Um, and so I think that, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, how it's run from China and how like the data mining and all the thing that things, rumors that were going around through that, um, whether or not that's true, you have to give them credit for putting in that more of an effort than Spotify has ever even like glanced at. <laughs> yeah. And then, so like it, it, it's very positive in that regard. Um, and uh, it also like in in just the fact that there's like, not just the inability to play things on YouTube or, or two seconds of a song. Like my my roommate introduced me to a lot of the like gamer YouTubers, which is kind of fun. Um, I've never been a gamer, but some of them are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And like even if they hint at a song, they're like, oh no, don't say the title. Right. Like and it's you have to be on pins and needles. Um, but not only that, you can't swear and you can't you know. So that also adds to. TikTok's allowing you to be yourself a little bit because there's no censorship really in that. You can swear, you can say politically incorrect things, you can really challenge things, uh, and you're not going to get censored or taken And I I think it's great, but I really do think it's a delicate ecosystem that has to be protected on TikTok's company part. I I think whenever something gets insanely big or there's a lot more money flowing around it, and I mean, like we said with YouTube, when the ad money starts rolling in and, and there's a lot of it. They, they go with what the ad buyers want, mm-hmm. you know, the ad buyers put the pressure on. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to make it to where you guys can't curse as much at the beginning of the video because, or you're going to get demonetized or, you know, you're going to get a DNCA takedown for all these songs and stuff, which is why, you know, I, like we said, TikTok's a great place for artists just to flourish and just be themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, they don't even have I've seen so many TikToks of guys being like, guys, I quit my job and I moved out by myself with three bucks in my pocket, but I made this song on Spotify. Please listen. And they got millions, Mm -hmm. millions of streams, 
you know so it's and it's just so volatile six thousand other people that made the same video got 10 streams so you never know <laughs> exactly you do it's definitely you never a know. gamble i mean yeah. i'm, I'm glad storytelling for this is important mm-hmm. on tiktok that's the main thing is storytelling and i'm glad for this guy's life you know i mean i saw he got a bunch of stuff the ceo yeah, bunch- ocean ocean spray bought him a truck with a bunch of ocean spray like a <laughs> lifetime supply the ceo and then of he, ocean spray did the challenge yeah too. ceo and yeah. then he also well, it's a trend now he got ten thousand dollars of donations. Wow. Yeah, because he was living in a trailer, and now he's going to put a down payment on a house. So it's really weird if you just like take a second back and just go. This guy decided to just get on the longboard and cranberry juice, and just through like yeah. a moment in time, just was like, I'm going to TikTok it, and it just all this happened. And, well, and not to downplay any of that or his success, but you know, it's going to be very fleeting. Right. It's it's a trend, and and the more and one thing you notice with TikTok is so many people keep breaking out like soon everyone's going to be famous it feels like because yeah. it's like i personally just in my friends and people i work with and affiliates around town know personally a good handful of people that have gotten some degree of fame from tiktok and so at what point you know does it get oversaturated and suddenly right. if everybody's famous like how Nobody's long famous. is one of these trends going to last? Yeah. Like you're going to get an endorsement from ocean spray and then two days later they're going to move on, you know? Well too, I, I think, you know, what is fame now? Yeah. I mean, with social media and everything, we we've always wanted our celebrities to be more like us, more human, more like pulled down a little bit, you know? So mm-hmm. you, I, I agree. I think, you know, if everyone's famous, what's the, what's the specialty of it, you mm-hmm. know? But I do think there are still going to be those outliers that like really push through and like really get get farther ahead than like you know the people who maybe had two viral viral videos you know yeah the Charlie D'Amelios you yeah, know yeah. that are gonna like well it's only gonna roll. it's just going to increase the qualifications you know everything yeah. and it's all proportionate it's the same like what how hard was it to like go platinum or go gold you know in the seventies versus now when you know there's so much more outreach and there's so much more ingestion um it just inflates so eventually it's going to be like well do you have a trillion likes like (laughs) you're not really famous then right it's just you know and that drives innovation on the platform so like you know it it was any of these before back in the day it was like you could upload a youtube video and your dog falls over the stairs and it's like that's a three million video you know (laughs) and it's like now there's like so many videos of that that like if you put it up it's like a hundred so well go follow me on tiktok because I posted a video of a cat um, yesterday or two days ago, and <laughs> it is doing quite well. Oh um, man, yeah, animal TikTok. Uh, like you think people are killing it on TikTok? Animals are killing yeah. it on TikTok. Oh, yeah. I play my heart out in some of these music videos, and it, it not only does it not get any likes, but it doesn't even get views. Like TikTok <laughs> right. won't even give me views. No, that pain. put a cat down, and suddenly it's it's doing I great. I just realized, Gold, baby, uh, we're gonna go into our last section, and then it, but it's way shorter. It's on another article, but we forgot to tell you about it. Just like we. Did Austin so apparently this is a trend (laughs) we need to do Uh, this yeah so we'll do this first the last section is where we talk about what music we've been listening to recently so I'll give you a minute we'll go first if you want to like look at your phone or do anything like that but we also did this to the last guest so sorry apparently this is our trend of just being like (laughs) hey what are you listening to what are you listening yeah so um, do you even listen to music (laughs) it's like our argument with Flackfy do you listen to music (laughs) that'd be funny it was like what industry do you work in the music industry oh what kind of songs do you like I don't listen to music I don't listen to music (laughs) I don't listen to music, nope. not at all. Um, I listen to sounds. Uh, no, anyway. Uh, I was like, that's an artist? <laughs> no, that'd be great. Uh, no, I was listening to, 
Oh, because I had to do I had to do a bunch of work on stuff, and so I have this, and I haven't told them on the podcast is I have, uh, and they're they're not little. I'm telling you that right now. They're like a middle you know size band. They played Madison Square Garden for God's sakes. Is a uh, Wolfpack. Is I I always and here's the thing, and the only reason I'm telling it right now is one of my playlists for. Oh wait, Zach, can you move your phone? Sorry, I think it's catching the catching like the line yeah. well wow, that's fun live Ooh. feedback this is the live show ladies and gentlemen hey uh, but i've been listening to wolfpack because wolfpack is has my um like i made a playlist in college that's all instrumental wolfpack and that's what i used to study because it's just really easy and it's like funky and stuff like that and i literally spaced out today and listened to it for like three hours and so <laughs> i'm on like fugue state for like the eighth time you know just <laughs> chilling there dean town for like the eighth time and i'm just like i don't even notice it after a while <laughs> and like those guys are like the most nuts so if you want to like weird music business kind of stories it's freaking Wolfpack, you I know with Wolfpack. all their stuff you know like yeah, sleepify the and they're the re- yeah they're the reason you can't upload just no audio to spotify yeah, yeah. If you guys should know this quick story is Wolfpack uh had an album called sleepify that they used to fund their tour and they raised thirty thousand dollars in streaming revenue because what they did was it was just nothing on there and so they would say you guys go go stream this just listen to it all night listen to it all like when you're not using your streaming <laughs> just do it and they raise thirty thousand dollars in john stream. cage yeah. protege <laughs> right like 314 over here and like literally they did that and spotify goes yeah we're changing the rule that you have to have audio <laughs> in the thing it can't just be silence that's funny i used to work at ascap before csac and i worked in the distribution team and we would get a whole bunch of surveys uh from youtube and, and process them and we would often get like static like white noise or we would get bird sounds <laughs> or things like that and it was a genuine discussion like can we license this because people would argue like that is my version of music i oh, made music yes um and the the overarching decision was no we don't license that that doesn't count as music so similar, right thing. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome well i've been listening to uh angel olsen um a lot and uh future islands as well Um, yeah i love future islands i actually uh got to to shoot photos of them at live on the green the other uh, year so that was a lot of fun um and i've actually uh i'm a been obsessed with this album for like a long time but uh suburban light by the clientele uh it's such a good record and it was released in 2001 but it still holds up like it's I don't know. There's something about the way they recorded it that just, it's really a great fall winter album. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very dark and rich. So I highly suggest checking that out. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of indie pop. Um, a lot of the stuff on the indie pop Spotify playlist actually has been kind of really great lately. Um, this British artist Dodie came up. I don't know. Oh, I love yeah, Dodie. She's so, so cool. Um, I love that monster song. She does. Yes, that's my favorite. That's great. And also another song called she, um, yeah. which explores her, like, you know, she's a LGBTQ. I don't know if she's uh, f- bisexual. I think she's bisexual. She's fun too. She's got a good YouTube channel as well. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just so brilliant. Um, when it comes to creating melodies, so she's great. Um, AJR, who've now become a little more mainstream because Bang has kind of hit top 40 radio. Um, but I got into them last year from their song, Dear Winter, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful song. Um, it's like dedicated to his future child. Um, it's very like almost folky kind of how it's written. 
Um, and then an artist from New York called Salt Cathedral is really great. Um, like bilingual artist um, has some really cool songs in Spanish and in English. Um, a guy named Grady, who I think is based in LA, makes some really cool like R and B influenced pop that I've been really digging lately. Um, I've actually got a small playlist on Spotify of some of the stuff. A lot of it's also, and I'm purposely not listing anyone I work with or know personally because then I can get yelled at and it's not like I don't want to leave anyone out. So, <laughs> but I have a lot of people on my playlist that are, you know, my affiliates or my friends mm-hmm. or, or songs that I've recorded on too. So, yeah. um, you don't want to do any independent radio promotion on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, if anyone wants to pay me or give me some nice things, I will <laughs> not say anything and play your music. Well, I mean, that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz, baby. Thank you for listening to That Showbiz Baby Podcast. You're all things music business and media podcast. And thank you to our guest, Zach Green from CSAC, for chilling out and giving us great insight. You can follow us on Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram, That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com with all your questions, concerns, and the like. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening, and we have a couple more guests coming on, so stay tuned for that. And they should all be really exciting episodes, just like this one. So stay tuned for more, and we really. Really appreciate your viewership. See you around.